Well, good morning, everybody. Man, it's a great Sunday to be in church. I'm on, right? I'm good? Yeah, here we go. Uh, so glad that you're with us today. My name's Pastor Matt. I'm the Young Adults Pastor here, and I'm also the Small Groups Coordinator as well. So I'm excited that it's Life Group Sign Up Sunday. You know, at the end of the sermon, we'll have a chance to sign up. You can talk to Life Group leaders, see what works for your schedule. We have them here and also in the cafe. But I'm also really excited about the message today. I'm really excited for God to speak to us, uh, you know, through his word and through the story that we're going to read. So we're in a series called The Good Work, which is a video that you just saw, reading about the story of Nehemiah, but kind of like our theme verse has been Ephesians 2.10. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Oh, sorry. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. If you want to click it for me, sorry, I'm I'm messing it up there. (laughs) For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in them. Man, such an awesome verse in the Bible, and again, kind of our theme for this whole series. And I think maybe another way they could almost say this is kind of, if you're taking notes, the kind of the first thing to write down is that you've been created on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. Man, you are not an accident. God has made you on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. That's what I know about every single person in this room. And I want to tell you a story that I actually heard this week. My wife, Rebecca, was listening to an audiobook on young adult ministry. And so, young adults, that's how much she loves you guys. She's listening to, like, audiobooks. And she told me, uh, and I, I gave a listen to one of the chapters, was written by a man named Brent Silkey. And God had begun to put a burden on his heart for those who are caught and victimized by human trafficking. And so, as he was approaching his 30th birthday he kind of started to have this idea, and he was like, you know, I'm approaching 30. He wanted to invite 30 friends with him to run 30 miles to raise $30,000 to help fight against human trafficking because he heard the statistic that every 30 seconds, another person becomes a victim of human trafficking. And so God had given him this burden. Well, when you go to the day of the actual event on his 30th birthday, it turns out that they actually had over 100 people go that day to run, and they raised over $81,000 in that one day. Now, you fast forward five years later. In the last five years, they've had thousands of people run all across America, all around the world, and they've raised $832,000 to help fight against human trafficking, and they give 100% of it away because it's completely volunteer-based. It's amazing. It's a full-fledged organization called 30 for Freedom. It's amazing what God has done. And it all started because he had this burden that he said God put on his heart and God did more than he could ever ask for or imagine. Those were his words. That's what he said. And here's what else I know. This is why. Because the burden that you bear often reveals the calling that you'll embrace. The burden that you bear often reveals the calling that you'll embrace. For probably everybody in the room, there's something in the world that bothers us. There's something in the world that maybe even makes our blood boil a little bit. There's an injustice in the world. Maybe there's a need that you see. Someone's being neglected. Someone's being abused. And inside, you know something must be done about this. Everybody in the room, there's something that kind of gets to us. And so, like we said, the burden that you embrace often will reveal the calling that God has for you. And so, man, there's so many different things that we could talk about, so many different burdens and things going on in the world that we could probably say maybe there's something that resonates with you. But I asked a couple of the staff members, I said, hey, you know, 
What, can, can you describe some of your burdens? I think everyone on, on staff, and I think probably most people who follow Jesus, have a burden for those who don't know Jesus, for those who are spiritually lost. I, th- I think we all share that burden. But for example, I asked Pastor Jamal, I said, you know, well, you're the youth pastor, so like, I'm sure you, you know, would you say, how would you describe your burden for teenagers? And, you know, he, he, he said it really clear. He's like, man, I have a burden for students to discover and realize their God-given potential. And that was it. And I was like, man, that's, that's awesome. Man, that, that makes so much sense. Pastor Jamal has a burden for teenagers to help, uh, to, for, for them to discover their God-given potential. And so that, that determines the calling he's embraced, the career he's in, everything that he does in his life. And I'll share Pastor Todd's a little later. But even for myself, you may notice like when I'm preaching or even in like a conversation, you may notice that sometimes like I don't use certain words that a lot of times we use in church Oh, let me step over here and say, you know, Christianese, you know, you know, a lot of Christians, we use that word, but even that is Christianese, so let me step back over here. I don't use a lot of words like that on purpose, and you may be like, wonder why. It's because I have a burden for those who are new who feel like they're on the outside. You know, when somebody comes in and they don't know what we're talking about, when they feel like they're not part of this group, that, that, I have a burden for those people. I feel like that's God's heart. And that's why young adults, you guys know a lot of times I'm pushing the young adults like, hey, can you please go talk to that person? Like I talked to them twice. They need to make a connection. Can you go talk to them? It's because I want to make sure that they they make a connection. I don't want them to feel on the outside. I hope that uh, nobody in the room today or even if you're watching online that nobody would feel like they're, they're not part of this. You can be part of this family here. And I also have a burden for young people to take ownership of their faith and to find their place in, in the church, in the community of God. That's another burden I have, which is why I be like, young adults, please go talk to them over there. <laughs> like, I want to see them take ownership of their faith. So your burden off the, that you bear often reveals the calling that you'll embrace. And this is true of everyone, not just a spiritual leader or a pastor. This is true for all of us in the room, which is why we're reading from the book of Nehemiah. You got to remember if you if maybe if you're unfamiliar with Nehemiah, he's nobody special. He he's not a pastor, he's not a priest, he's not a warrior. He it, the story's about building a wall. He's not a contractor. He's nobody special. He's a cupbearer to the king. He's got a privileged position, I guess, but like, it doesn't give him influence in this area. And so Nehemiah, he didn't have a special position. All he had was God-ordained passion. God-ordained passion. It's not about position. It's about God-ordained passion. Young adults who were at the worship night, we talked about this. We said it's not about position, it's about purpose. When you are operating in God's purpose for you, when you have a passion that God has given you, man, the position doesn't matter. The position is secondary. The position really, it just doesn't matter because you're operating in the passion and the purpose that God has for you. And there's many of us right now in the room that are asking that question. This is where you find yourself. You say, I... I, what is my purpose? I, I, I feel like I, I care about this. I care about something. There's something on my heart. But, but if, if you're in that young adult phase, you're saying, well, what is my career? Or should I be part of this organization? Or even if maybe you're retired or you're approaching retirement, you can be asking the same sort of question. If I'm on this side of my career, what's my purpose? Like I still have a heart for people or for this area. And, and, and what do I do about it? And so that's why we're reading from Nehemiah, because the burden that you bear will reveal the calling that you 
embrace. And he's an amazing example for us of leadership because he's just a regular guy who has God-ordained passion that God uses. And so in the book of Nehemiah, a little context, it was 587 BC when Jerusalem was attacked by the Babylonian Empire. So the nation of Israel is now exiled. They have to leave. And decades later, they're allowed to return. Some of them do. And in your Bible, right before Nehemiah, there's the book of Ezra. You can read all about it. They come back and they rebuild the temple of God. It's this whole story. This whole thing goes on. And after that is when Nehemiah takes place and he comes back to build the walls of Jerusalem. And you can understand that at that time, how important that was uh, for, for their protection and for the city. And last week we read that Nehemiah's heart broke when he heard the news and he sat down and he cried and then he prayed. He knelt down and he prayed and then he stood up and he acted. And so how do you make a difference? Man, how, how do I use this God-ordained passion when I have a burden? How do I make a difference? Here's the first one. Seek God faithfully. Seek God faithfully. In the, in the book of Nehemiah, we see 12 different prayers by Nehemiah. So we know he was a man of prayer. He came to God and uh, Pastor Jeff even talked about it last week. He hit on it. If you look at the timeline in the beginning of chapter 2, it says that he heard the news in the month of Kislev, which is like November, December, and he prayed all the way to the month of Nisan, which is a car company. So, yes, you know, just got to say it because everyone thinks it. All right, so, but, so that's a period of four months that Nehemiah, his heart was broken. He was praying. He's fasting. He's hurting, and he's seeking God for four months. He sought God faithfully. You know, this is something important to remember, that prayer is about alignment. It's not about agendas. Prayer is about alignment, not about agendas. And Pastor Jeff said this last week, too. I loved it, that prayer is about aligning ourselves with God's will. Prayer, it's a divine heart check. God, I've got a burden God, my blood boils. God, I'm heartbroken over this. But I've, let me have a heart check, not just a human stamp of approval. Well, I'm going to do something about this. Well, God, I hope you bless me. I'm going to walk in this. I'm just going to go for it. Sometimes we do that, and that makes sense. But in this case, we see he's checking, God, what, what is it that you want to do? Lord, you know the state of Jerusalem. God, you know the state of your people. What, what do you want to do? And he spends four months hurting and seeking God, aligning with God's will. You know, when I think of the Capitol riots and what went on there, and people had Bibles and people had flags and prayer, I think that if we were seeking God in prayer and in his word, we would have come to a different conclusion on that because prayer is about alignment, not about an agenda, not about just stamping God's will on whatever I feel like doing. And that's what Nehemiah shows us. God, what do you have? God, what would you do before he does anything next? He's asking God to lead his steps. And so he eventually does talk to the king. And it's hard for us to understand, like, the dynamic there, how difficult that would have been. Like, you can't, even though he actually does have a personal relationship with the king, you can't just, like, say whatever you want. Like, hey, I think I want to leave. Like, you just can't, can't do that. So it's kind of interesting how that happened. But if you've got a Bible, you can open it up. We're in Nehemiah chapter 2 today. We'll see how Nehemiah responds. And Nehemiah chapter 2 starting with verse 1, kind of that second half there. He said, Now I had not been sad in the king's presence. So the king said to me, Why is your face sad, though you're not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. And then I was very much afraid. 
In verse 4, then the king said to me, what would you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. (laughs) He says, I prayed. I prayed to God. Now, here's the deal. This isn't a a four-day prayer retreat. You're saying the king asked him a question. He said, so I prayed, man. Look, Nehemiah, he had already had his prayer session with God. He had four months of praying. And so for us, we need to be able to pray long and powerful prayers to God so that in the moment, now we can just have like a text-like prayer to God. God, hey, what do I say, Lord? <laughs> like, God, guide me right now in this conversation. I'm, I'm not catching up on my devotions. Like, God, I've got to confess my sin because it's kind of been like two, three weeks since I've really talked about this with you. Like, no, he's already been walking close with God. And so now in this moment, God, what do you have me do? God, what do you have me say? And so that's what Nehemiah does. He seeks God faithfully. We need to pray both ways. And here's the deal. With the burden that God has put on your heart, if prayer isn't necessary for you to accomplish something about it, you got to think bigger, man. In fact, I'd even say maybe it's just a personal goal. If you're telling me you don't need God's help to accomplish something, maybe it's just something you want to do and it's not from God. Man, prayer, we got to seek God faithfully. And, you know, with it being Life Group Sign Up Sunday, that's something I want to say, too, about all of our groups. Uh, the staff, we pray for our groups, and uh, we pray for our Life Group leaders. All of the Life Group leaders, they pray for you, and they pray for those in their group. Man, we seek God about this. We're not just trying to do whatever or, or, or just be a social club only. Man, we want to be seeking God's will in our life groups. And so how do you make a difference? To, uh, uh, you seek God faithfully. The next one is this. How do you make a difference? Define the vision clearly. Define the vision clearly. For most people, it's not a lack of caring that's a problem. It's a lack of clarity. Most of us, lack of care, man, we care, we've got a burden, there's something we care about, but it's the lack of clarity that sometimes can trip us up. Nehemiah, uh, the king asked Nehemiah, hey, what do you want to do? What are you asking me for, Nehemiah? And look at the crystal clear clarity that Nehemiah speaks with in verse 5. Nehemiah answers him. Look how clear this is. I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Send me to Judah that I may rebuild it. What do you need to do, Nehemiah? Send me to the city so I could rebuild it. Boom. Crystal clear clarity. Seek God faithfully. Define the vision clearly. Here's what Nehemiah didn't do. Hey, Nehemiah, what do you need from me? Well, you know, King, uh, I, I was reading an article the other day. Uh, my cousin sent it to me, my cousin Mickey, and I don't really know if he's walking with God anymore, but he, like, he shared this article. It was about Jerusalem, and like the walls are down, and like I don't know, I called, I called him about it, and then I talked to his mom, and, and I was like, yeah, what do you think? Like, this is heartbreaking, but like I don't know. I'm stuck over here. What, what do you want me to do about it? And she was like, well, why don't you go on a mission trip? And I was like, yeah, then I'll, I'll write some letters to go on a mission trip. And she's like, you know the king. Why don't you talk to him? Probably donate to it. Like, yeah, okay, I'll ask the king. So, king, I was thinking about going on this mission mission trip. And if it worked out well, I think maybe I'll stay, but I'm not sure. I got to see how it goes first. But like my aunt said, because I know you, maybe you would know. What would you, what do you think about it? So what do you think, King? <laughs> he didn't do that. He defined the vision clearly. Send me to Jerusalem so I can rebuild the city. Boom, clarity. That's it. And man, if you want to make a difference, that's what it is. It's not a lack of caring. It's a lack of clarity. A lot of times is our problem. And so what is God calling you to do? You say, God's calling me to help children. That's awesome. That's amazing. But define it. Define it. Define the vision. Clarity. Help children how? 
Help which children? Children that don't have their basic needs met. Children who, who, who don't have an education. Children who have been abused. Children who have been neglected. Where? Children here in New Jersey, here in our own community, in our country, in another country somewhere. God wants you to help children define the vision clearly. What does God want you to do? And that's why I loved Pastor Todd's answer. I said, hey, can you, can you talk about, you know, your burden? You know, you, I, you're the kid's pastor. Do you have a burden for children? And he said, yeah. Man, I was so moved by his answer. He just was like, you know, I, I have a burden for children to discover that God cares about them right now. Not when they're older, that he cares about them right now. So I want them to find their place in God's community now. Which is why I let them try it on the worship team and try out the computer and let them be an usher or whatever because I want children to know that God cares about them right now at this age. And I thought that was awesome. And Pastor Jamal, same thing. When I asked him, he just had like one sentence. It was crystal clear. I want to help students discover and realize their God-given potential. Man, define the vision clearly because here's the deal. If you can't define it, you can't do it. I got a calling on my life, Pastor. I got to help kids. I got to help teenagers. Yeah, but if, but if you can't define it, you can't do it. It's not a lack of caring. We, we do. This is important to me. But we, we need to be able to define it so that we can follow God. What is God leading you to do in one sentence? What's God leading you to do? Go to Jerusalem to rebuild the city. That's it. The organization 30 for Freedom, Brent Silkey, he said, he said uh, their, their mission is to end human trafficking in our lifetime. That's it. That's the mission. Man, really clear. I know exactly what you mean by that. You want to end human trafficking in our lifetime. I love it. And so for you, what is God calling you to do? Maybe with it being missions months and and, and things like that, you think, man, I'd love to give more to missions, but man, our family, we just have so much debt right now. And so what's God calling you to do? God's calling me to to have our our family become debt-free by 2023. That's it. Boom. That's it. Define the vision. Maybe you're a student in school. You're kind of waiting to wrap up, but you say, you know, I want to get out of school, but you know what? I have a burden for those who don't know God. I think God is calling me to have a conversation with every single person in my class before I graduate. Clarity. That's it. You defined it. You say, well, I've got a heart for vision, uh, for, I've got a heart for missions, and I'd love to give more. I'd love to give more, uh, but I don't know. Well, maybe you say, God's calling me to give $100,000 to missions, at, but before I reach age 40. That's, man, that's a big vision, but you just defined it. You defined, hey, that's it, clarity. I think God's calling me to give above and beyond in this amazing way. It's a goal, now I can reach for it. What is God calling you to do? Maybe even you're a youth leader. Say, I got a heart for, for the, the boys in my small group. I think God's calling me to help the five boys in my small group overcome their addiction to porn. That's it. Clarity. That's what God is calling me to do. And so in life groups, same thing. With it being life group sign up Sunday, we, we define the vision clearly. What are life groups about? What's the purpose of life groups? Well, we want to model biblical community And we want to help people take their next steps in their walk with God. That's the goal. All the life group leaders know. I send emails all semester long. I'm like, hey, did anybody take a next step in your life group? Like, man, because we, if we can't define it, we can't do it. And so that's the goal of a life group. We want to model community, biblical community, and help people take their next step. And so how do you make a difference? Seek God faithfully. Define the vision clearly. And here's the next one. 
Make plans carefully. Make plans carefully. Here's the deal. A goal without a plan is just a wish. I just wish somebody would do something about this. A goal without a plan is, is just a wish. Sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can do it's just to get organized. <laughs> God, God is a systematic guy. Well, I want to be led by God's spirit. Yeah, God's systematic. Okay, we, we live in a solar system, right? <laughs> that there are seven days every week. Last week it wasn't six. Next week it's not eight. Two weeks from now it's not 32 days in a week. It's seven days a week, right? God is a systematic God of order. Even when we say, well, you know, you know Pastor, I'm, just, I'm waiting for God's timing. That's great. But when we say God's timing, it, it, it's God's planning, right? God is the ultimate planner. I, I'm waiting on God's timing. I'm waiting on God's planning. And so if God has put a burden in my heart, I've got to make some plans in order for God to, to use me. I want to honor God that way. And look, look what Nehemiah does in verses uh, 6 through 8 here in chapter 2. The king said to me, with the queen sitting beside him, How long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I gave him a definite time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the provinces beyond the river, that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make the beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I'm going to go to. And the king granted them to me, because the good hand of my God was on me. And so what does Nehemiah do? He seeks God. He knows that God is with him. And so he makes a plan. He, a- he asks for provision and for protection. Hey, help me as I'm going there and I-, and I need materials to make it happen. But he makes a plan. And, you know, sometimes we can be afraid to make a plan or, or-, or we-, we-, we won't step out into action because the plan isn't perfect. But that's okay. The plan doesn't have to be perfect. Sometimes you just have to get the ball rolling. You know, the plan, the plan's really never going to be perfect. Even Nehemiah's plan, you read, even in chapter 2, but throughout the book, it doesn't go 100% according to plan. He's got all these problems that come up. But so sometimes you just have to get the ball rolling. You feel like, I'm afraid. What if it's not successful? What if it doesn't work out? But here's, here's what we need to remember. Success isn't the accomplishment of some future event. Success is doing the next right thing today. Success is not the accomplishment of some future event. It's doing the next right thing today. When we think about, man, how, how, do, we, how do we reach teenagers? Pastor Jamal's got a, a burden for teenagers. How do we reach teenagers? Think about, how, how, I have a burden for people who don't know Jesus. How do we reach people who don't know God? How do we do that? The whole world? How do we spread the gospel all over the world? How do we do that? That's, that's overwhelming. How, how, how do we stop human trafficking? It's, it's overwhelming if we think that way. So let me do the next right thing today. I have a heart for missions. How do I spread the gospel all over the world? Let me make a missions pledge. Let me... Tell my friend about Jesus. Uh, how do I spread the gospel everywhere? Uh, let me do the next right thing today. Let me tell my coworker about God. Do the next right thing today. That's what success is. And so life groups, when we talk about life groups and making a plan, man, life groups, that's why we do like a, 
semester, or really could almost say trimester model, like kind of launching them all at the same time. This isn't the only way to do small groups in a church. It's just a, a way we're trying it right now. Why? Because we're trying to make a plan. We want to be able to measure. Our, uh, we define the vision, and then we say, are we accomplishing the vision? You know, are people connecting? Are people meeting new people? Are people getting baptized? Are they plugging in serving? Are they doing different things? Because we define the vision, now we're making a plan. We're going to try our best to see if this is working or not because we want God to, uh, to use us and use our groups. Brent Silkey, who I keep referencing in 30 for Freedom, he says, if God puts a dream in your heart, you take hold of that dream and you run. You go for it. And so you say, Matt, I have a burden for this. I, I, maybe you're thinking about being part of a ministry or starting a ministry or starting an organization. That, that's great. So meet up with somebody. Uh, meet, find somebody who's doing exactly what you want to do. Uh, start a mentorship. Have a conversation with them. Say, uh, you, you know, don't tell them everything about yourself. Say, what do you do? How do you do that? You have an idea for, for, to, to do something, man, listen to a podcast, come up with a business plan, meet with some professionals. If you, if you have a heart for something, make a plan and do something about it. And so how do you do something? How do you make the difference? Seek God faithfully, define the vision clearly, make plans carefully. And here's the next one. Inspire people passionately. Inspire people passionately. Next week in the good work in, in the series, Pastor Jeff will continue, and he's going to talk about, you know, some of the opposition that Nehemiah faced. It was not smooth sailing. I know we talk big and passion and like, God's going to do it, and, you know, but he encountered obstacles. It's not always easy. And so even when he was held up and Nehemiah didn't always know what to do, he mustered up the faith that he had, and he inspired the people around him. Look what he does in, uh, in verse 17. He acknowledges that they're in trouble. They have enemies that are trying to shut down this work. Uh, They're getting threatening. Uh, They're being threatened right now by these people, right? The city is still in ruin, and here's what Nehemiah says to them. I said, you see the bad situation we're in, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire. He's not saying, well, you know, God, it's going to be fine. He's acknowledging this isn't a great situation. But come, Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach or a disgrace. I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. And then they said, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. They put their hands to the good work. Man, that's it. That's so, man, he inspires them. He says, God, yeah, yes, we have obstacles, but God is with us. God is for us. He's empowering us to do this. And so let's press on. He inspires the people around them. And I got to say, Wednesday night in the annual business meeting, Mark Piccolo, when, uh, when you were up here sharing about what God put on your heart, it was so inspiring because if you weren't there, Mark, you know, he, he, he wasn't, uh, it wasn't a badge of like, God spoke to me. Sometimes we can do that. And he wasn't like that. He's like, guys, I- I'm just saying God spoke to me and, and this is how it goes down. And here's kind of how I know. And I'm just kind of putting that in front of you. And, and, and that's it. He said, I-, I think we should do something about this. God spoke. And I'm saying, we didn't even have to know what it was. Our, our church is going to give $25,000 to a church plant in Pleasantville. That, that's kind of what our church is doing. We voted on that on Wednesday. But b- even before we got there, just hearing 
Mark share what God was doing in his own life was inspiring alone. I'm like, well, obviously we're going to have to give something. Like The way that God is moving, it's like, I got to get on board with this. When you share your passion, man, other people will follow you. You've heard this probably before by John Wesley, this quote. He says, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Man, when you're passionate, you can inspire other people. It's amazing what God will do. Brent Selke, who, who's part of 30 for Freedom, in, in the audiobook, he's sharing about, I think God's putting this on my heart. He met up with a friend, and he's like, you know, he's at a diner. He's like, I got this idea, like 30 you know, friends, $30,000, you know, whatever. What, what do you think, man? And his friend just, like, took out his wallet, pulled out a $100 bill, and slid it across the table, and he was like, dude, we got to do something about this. <laughs> when you share your passion, when you share what God is doing in your heart, other people will follow you. Now, here's the other thing that I want to say about this. When we say about inspiring people passionately in this burden that God has put on my heart and passion, right? Here's the deal. When you have a burden, you're not a bully. You're a builder. When you have a burden... You're not a bully, you're a builder. Man, right? What, that's what Nehemiah said. That's what they said. Okay, let us arise. Let us build. Let us put our hands to the good work. You know, we don't have to be angry or upset that someone else doesn't understand what we see or, or have, see something that we see in the world. We don't have to be angry at other people and bully them. Well, don't you know what's going on? Man, I think it's Sophia. Like, no, Sophia doesn't walk around, don't you know what's going on in Haiti? Well, don't you have a heart for children? Don't you care about this? She doesn't bully people. No, she just shares what God is doing in her life. And man, she, so she's a builder. And I get behind that. Okay, how, do you need money to get there? Like, what are you doing? Do, do we, can we pray for you? Like, what do you need down there? When you just share what God's doing, the burden that you have, you're not a bully, you're a builder, and other people will follow you. And that's something that I love about our life groups as we begin to wrap up. Pastor Bonnie, you can come on up front when you're ready. You know, our life groups, you think about all the different things that are going on in our world right now. You know, what I love about our life groups is that, you know, they speak for themselves. With Nehemiah, he doesn't get bogged down and distracted by the opposition. He just lets the work speak for itself. And so, I mean, even our society right now, it's clamoring about injustice and racism, rightly so in some ways. But in our life groups, you know what? We just have diversity in our life groups. Like, that's just what I love about that. We talk about, uh, you know, being there for somebody else. Well, if you have, if you're going through something, if you have anxiety about where the world is right now, hey, you've got a, a group to support you and pray with you. You say, well, are we meeting needs? There are people who have needs, you know, that we don't care about this. Like, why don't we get behind it? Well, in our life groups, we all do, in all of our life groups, we do a community service project, a community engagement project where we're trying to meet a need of someone here in our community. But we had some awesome ones take place. We did, one of our groups did a Lego drive for uh, uh, kids who found themselves in a bad situation. They were able to donate Legos. Three different food pantries were blessed as a result of our life groups through uh, raising food or raising money in our local community here. Uh, we had a few other ones take place. We, ble- we cooked meals for hurting families in our own church. There are community relationships that are being made as a result of our life groups. I mean, so that's what I love about them. Uh, we don't bully people. We just, we just do the work. We let the work speak for itself. You've been made on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. And the way that God designed you is not 
an accident. The burden that God has put on your heart, it may be from God. And so how do you make a difference? Seek God faithfully. Seek God faithfully. And remember, prayer is about alignment. God, what do you want to do about this? How would you use me, Lord? Not about an agenda. And I define the vision clearly. God, what is God calling me to do? Because if I can't define it, I can't do it. And then I make plans carefully, right? And success, it's not the accomplishment of something in the future. It's not something I have to have perfectly planned out. Success is doing the next right thing today. And then we inspire people passionately. We talk about the burden, what God is doing in our life. And I don't have to bully people when I have a burden. I just build. I'm a builder when God has put a burden on my heart. And as we wrap up, I'll invite everyone. You can stand to your feet as we begin to close here. I think it's awesome that our church has the opportunity to model this, to model this for other Christians and to model this, man, in our world. But as we wrap up, if you're here today in person or even watching online today, we talk about passion and purpose. We talk about doing the next right thing today. Maybe today for you, the next right thing is to begin a relationship with Jesus you might be here today or again watching online and, and you say, uh, maybe you're familiar with church, you grew up in church and, and, and you know some of this stuff or you might be totally new to it. Nehemiah, you don't know this stuff, but when we talk about purpose, being created with a purpose, that you can live with a sense of purpose, the next right thing for you today is to start a relationship with Jesus. And so in the room with every head bowed and every eye closed, just for some privacy, if that's you today, I want you to call on Jesus right now. Would you call on Jesus if you say, man, I want to live with this purpose. I want to know that I've been created with a purpose, God. If you're online today, why don't you reach out to Jesus? Call on Jesus. Invite him to be part of your life right now. Jesus, we need you, God. We thank you, Lord. you're here today and you've maybe never prayed a prayer like that, but you want to invite Jesus into your life, can you raise your hand so I can pray with you right now? You're here in the room today. If you're online, you can comment right now. Say, that's me. Awesome. Awesome. God, we're so thankful that you love us, God, and that you've created us on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose, Lord. We're so glad that we don't have to come up with our own. It's not about our career or the money we make or our reputation with other people. Our identity and our purpose is defined in our relationship with you, God. We're so thankful that you took the price for our sins on the cross, Jesus, that you died paying the price for our sins, but you rose again, Lord, and that we can have new life in your name. We live for you, Jesus. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. And hey, while we're here, I want to invite our life group leaders. If you guys can come on up to the front, the life group leaders that are here, you can make your way just up to the front. I want to pray with you just before uh, we kind of dismiss everybody and allow everyone to sign up. I'm so thankful for all of these guys stepping out, uh, giving God the opportunity to use them and to be vulnerable and to lead in this way. I want to give it up for our life group leaders as they're walking up front. Man, I love all these guys. 
And remember, part of their purpose, man, is to help you figure out your purpose, to help you take your next step in your walk with God. They're making themselves available to you. They pray for you. They love you. And man, so I think that's awesome. And uh, they want to help model biblical community in our church. And so I want to pray for our life group leaders. Then they can go to their tables. We'll kind of dismiss and you can work the room and stuff. So let me pray. God, we're so thankful for this time today, Lord, and we're thankful that we can gather together, Lord, and that you've called us to to biblical community, Lord. We're so thankful that your word speaks to us, God, and even when our world is in such a dark and confusing state right now, Lord, that we can be a light to others by having the community that you have modeled for us, Lord God. And so I pray right now for all of our groups, Lord God, that there would be a spirit of unity, that we could make some connections and know some people who are different than us, God, that we can model that for the world. And God, I also pray for our life group leaders, God, that you would bless them, Jesus, that you would be with them, God. You would give them your supernatural favor, yes, in their groups, but in their lives as well, God, with, as they step out in faith and as they're allowing you to use them, Lord God, would you bless them and be with them, God, in all the things that they're facing personally, financially, in their job, God, wherever they are, Lord, as they are serving you in this way, would you be with them and bless them, God. We're so thankful for this time together. We're so thankful that you use us and that you speak to us, Lord. We ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, so life group leaders, thank you. You guys can make your way to your tables. Everybody, work the room. We have in-person life groups that are available right here in the front. We have some virtual ones as well. Have a great Sunday.